today on CityCast Denver. Does it feel lately like the whole world is on fire? Around 2.30 this afternoon, our Denver 7 newsroom noticed smoke coming from the inside of Empower Field. And that fire quickly spread at least 1,000 square feet before fire crews got there and could put it out. Friday's fire at Mile High was over before anyone got hurt. But then, on Saturday, a wildfire broke out near the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, forcing thousands to evacuate. Some of the areas under evacuation were evacuated during the Marshall Fire as well, just three months ago. The NCAR fire was much smaller than the Marshall Fire, and fire crews are already well on their way to full containment, which is thanks in part to brave folks like Deputy Chief Kathleen Vredenberg, who's my guest today. The chief is out of town, so I'm kind of covering his calendar and my calendar, and it's nonstop around here. Earlier this year, she became the first woman promoted to Deputy Chief of Denver Fire, making her the highest ranking female officer in the 156 year history of the department. Today is Monday, March 28th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Thank you for asking, because I've had some pretty good name slaughters the last couple of weeks. I, I bet. You got a lot of consonants yeah. in there. People just don't know yeah, what to I do. I know. It's just, I'm just going <laughs> to jumble it all together and add letters. <laughs> <laughs> Chief Kathleen Vredenberg, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you for having me. So you're now the highest ranking woman in the fire department's 156 year history, which is crazy to me that it, it took this long. Why do you think it took so long for, for a woman to have this position? I think that, um, you know, the career of firefighting is not what would be considered typical for a woman, at least historically. And I think we're just in new times. Uh, when you think about our history, we didn't actually even have our first female firefighter on this job till 1985. So we're, we're relatively new um, to the fire service, but I feel like we're already making a huge impact and um, I'm incredibly honored to be in this position. I see um, great opportunity to, to uh, bring the fire service forward in so many ways. So yeah, that's amazing. Um, did you always want to be a firefighter? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like your candor. <laughs> I don't think that I was like every other little kid my age growing up. Um, and I think that, you know, in, in history, uh, things have changed now. But before it used to be, you know, boys have these type jobs and girls have these type, type jobs. And I think my parents just kind of succumbed to that same tradition. That being said, however, I never really followed that theory. Um, coming out of college, I immediately went to be a police officer first. Um, I was a police officer for about eight years with Lakewood Police, and then um, had two two young babies, decided to be home for a year or two, and then when it was time to come back to work, um, I had a friend that came on the job here at Denver, and she said, you're, you're into fitness and you love the team concept. This is perfect for you. And, and she was absolutely right. Uh, this was the best career I could have fallen into. So my younger sister went to Fire Academy. And I know from her experience, there's a lot of perceptions about women's physical ability to do a job like firefighting. Like I think sometimes we're not, we're perceived to be not as strong, physically strong as men. And I wonder what your response is to that perception. Like, what what do you tell someone who's like, oh, 
women aren't strong enough to be firefighters? Um, I would say that that is a complete fallacy. I think that um, firefighting is a lot of things, as we've described. I can remember back when I came to the fire academy, I was a little older coming on, um, but I was very aware for anybody coming on this job, whether regardless of who you are, where you come from, you have to be fit to do this job. That's one of the big draws. And you it has to be a career-long dedication to that because you're doing things where you're jumping off the rig and your heart rate is immediately racing and you're being asked to exert for 20 minutes straight. You Everybody has to be fit. So there's that part. But then as it relates to women on this job, um, I have learned over time that there are a lot of ways to do things right especially in the fire academy. You know, you can be taught one way. This is how you pull a ladder off of a rig. This is how you um, bring it to the building and how you raise it. And I just learned, I don't know if you, you can't tell from me right now, but I'm very vertically challenged. <laughs> I, I don't start in the middle of the ladder to do that. I take it to the end and then I use leverage to move it up. Um, and I'm able to do that just fine like everyone else. It's just knowing that you have to do it the right way for you. And I believe um, that firefighting has a lot to do with true grit. Um, it has to do with perseverance. And um, yes, fitness is a role, but it also has to do like what your fiber is on the inside mm -hmm. uh, that you understand it might be uncomfortable for a minute, but you're going to do it and get it done and you're willing to exert to make that happen. So I think it's less about the physical fitness in that area and more about your true grit as, as a person. Yeah. Well, and I think about how sometimes our, our bodies want to stop or our minds want us to stop before our bodies, you know what I mean? It's like that balance. And that's just a mental game we have to play with ourselves. It kind of doesn't matter what our physical makeup is. I would agree. And there's one other component to that that we should remember. The fire service is evolving as well. You know, we go on about 125,000 calls per year and you know, maybe 6,000 of those are actually actual fires. The rest of that are um, traffic accidents, EMS calls, majority EMS calls, and then all other kind of problems that require some kind of specialty to, to resolve. It could be something high angle, something high up, something far down, something underwater, or something in a confined space. And that takes um, a lot of people to have a lot of specialties and not just one stereotype. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. I think I think I go to that stereotype versus thinking you you'd mentioned it too a little before, but like strategizing, problem solving, um, he, you know, the interacting with humans in stressful situations, like these all take skills that are not just being physically fit. Correct. The other thing to think about too is that you know we're serving Denver, and Denver is fifty percent women, fifty percent men. And I think that we forget sometimes that uh, people that we are serving oftentimes like to see a familiar face when they're having their worst day. And so yeah. we have important value on the job as well. I think we're getting stuck into one facet of firefighting and negating all the other important reasons why we need to have a lot of diversity and um, difference on this job. That's a great point, too. You want to see someone who's helping you reflect what your community looks like. And that's all kinds of people. You know? Yeah. So you've talked about firefighting, having this family feel, and that was something that really attracted you to this profession. Did you ever find it hard to break through this culture that's often, I mean, visibly predominantly male, but like, how, how did that, how did you navigate that as a woman? 
I think I had some benefit because I came from a male dominated job before this. Um, and so there's a lot of parts to that, that we could easily blame on other people or feel like we're being left out. And I think when I was in the firehouse, at times, I think people have felt they had to be careful. Men felt like they had to be more careful around me because I'm just the unknown commodity. But as yeah. soon as they understand, they know me, I'm part of the family and I'm, I'm in the mix. And yeah. another part to that, you may be thinking, I'm the only person of this gender in this room, but um, I think that it brings on your own psychosomatic what are they thinking about me? Are they judging me? Um, you know, what if I fail? Am I going to be judged about this stuff? And that's just stuff that has to evolve over time. The relationships you get with the, the people in your firehouse where they understand, um, nope, she knows what she's doing. We're a team. We're cohesive. And, and uh, it's been my experience that that's how it has, has been. Sure. So I just think we're in the forefront and we just need to keep pushing this forward to normalize this as every day. This is what we do. Yeah, I love that too. It's it's so important. And again, like I said, my, my little sister's been in this process for a long time um, working in emergency medicine and she just wants, she is so set on being a firefighter and I, and I imagine what it's like for her to see you. It's like, boom, there I am, you know? Tell her to call me. We need some more on Denver Fire. <laughs> I will. I will. I'm like, I'm going to tell Zoe, you have to call this chief like ASAP. <laughs> Absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, you actually founded, you co-founded a firefighting organization for women. Um, what is that organization and what do you all do? So I think it was in 2020, we, uh, myself, uh, another chief, Carly Helwick, and a captain, Sarah Kamstra, um, co-founded the Women Firefighters of Denver. And it, it, it there has been efforts at trying to get a women's employee group together in the past, and it had never resonated. I think that... Um, everybody was dealing with their own limitations with wanting to just fit in with where they yeah. were at and to call themselves out was that wasn't time for that yet. But it was definitely time to start that in 2020. It's been hugely successful. Um, our primary goal is to get uh, women firefighters and Denver Fire Department initially um, together so that we can start talking about common issues. Um, how how do we help each other navigate uh, firehouse, uh, as you as you rise in rank, the the politics around that, and it's been it's been successful. We do monthly meetings with um, all the women on the job, and um, everyone is welcome. We don't collect dues, and we uh, hold sessions for uh, incumbent firefighters, and then we also. Um, began a workshop for women coming to the academy so that they could have a day on the drill ground with us um, and another employee group called uh, FIRE, Firefighters uh, was it for Racial Equ Equality, right? So they uh, worked together to give them hands-on access to tools, to you know the disciplines of firefighting so they know in advance and they're not shocked when they go into the academy because uh, that is one 
one reality is that um, some women are uh, mechanically inclined. They have history in mechanics. Some women um, grew up with the experiences about how to use tools. And some women have had none of that whatsoever, which I think I fell into that into that category when I started. So we're trying to desensitize going into the academy. Okay, I've seen this. Okay, I've, I've touched this. This is not shocking to me. Okay, I, I think they've showed me how to do this for my stature. And so, so far oh. it's been very successful. I mean, it seems to be pretty effective. That's such a great idea because sometimes I think that's the barrier that folks face is, well, I don't know anything about this and I don't want to look stupid or I don't want to stand out already. You know, I'm a woman walking into this environment. Oh, I don't know how to use tools. But if you have that guidance a little bit beforehand, it makes all the difference in the world. It truly does. I know um, when I first started the academy, I literally had never thrown an axe. I've used tools before, but never an axe. And they say, they tell you go up and we're going to, we're going to ventilate a rooftop and it's a prop. And I went up there and I clearly, I got it done, but it was super ugly. And I think that um, if we just kind of get that part out of the way early, I think it lends to success. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my mom's been an ER nurse for my entire life. So almost 50 years and I know she sees a lot of things she never talks about it she's very um I don't know she's just she's it's her job it's what she does every day but I I wonder if there's anything that you've seen or an experience or a moment that you can remember that stuck out to you as a firefighter or reminded you why you do this or reminded you why this job is so important oh my gosh I feel like I'm faced with that all the time I bet. <laughs> I mean, I can't um, imagine. But the one probably more recently for me would have been, I don't know if you're familiar, we had a, a an arson fire. We call it the Truckee fire, but it was a it was a quintuple homicide fire. And oh. I went out as a supervising um, fire investigator. And we, when we went out, it was quite a scene. Um, it involved a yeah. uh, collapse of the entire backside of the building. Obviously, there uh, it was a very devastating and sad scene. And there were multiple, multiple um, municipal and federal agencies out there. It was crazy not to uh, not to mention that this was in a neighborhood where they were very close knit culturally. And so the neighbors were putting chairs out, sitting on the sidewalk, watching what we were doing. It was about Mm -hmm. a 17 hour scene. Uh, But with the fire investigations unit in the back, we went we went in that back there and we dug and we dug and we dug and were able to come up with a pretty good origin and cause. And um, over months of investigation in concert with uh, the homicide unit from Denver Police Department, ended up finding these suspects and making arrests. And to me, that was just huge because of the impact of that scene, to have it come to closure with really strong arrests uh, made me feel like a, this is, I'm here for a reason and, and I'm thankful. Because I'm sure you don't get that closure a lot of times. No. You just, you don't know what happened. You have to move on. and Right. That does happen a lot, especially for the firefighters on the street. They go in, they mitigate the emergency immediately, and then they have to get back in service for the next emergency. So they don't really stay for the long, the long haul outcome. Yeah. And that's psychologically, I think sometimes that leaves us in places we don't realize until later on. And then you see something that reminds you. So when you're able to close it up and have some some closure, that's important. Well, and it makes me super grateful for the family dynamic at our department uh, because 
there is a lot of, okay, we can talk about this stuff. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it that way, we've got so many safety nets set up with our uh, uh, peer counseling. We've got a wellness coordinator we can go to. Uh, we have on staff people designed just to be available for us when we're not working through things so well. Well, Chief Friedenberg, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. On Friday, a jury found that Denver police officers violated protesters' rights during the George Floyd protests in the summer of 2020. According to the Denver Post, on Friday afternoon, the trial of 12 demonstrators ended with a $14 million settlement being awarded for injuries sustained after excessive use of force by DPD. We've got a deeper dive into the implications of the decision in our newsletter, which you can read and subscribe to at denver.citycast.fm. In response to the ongoing opioid crisis in Colorado, state lawmakers have introduced a new bill targeting fentanyl dealers and beefing up some drug use treatment measures. According to Fox 31, law enforcement says the bill doesn't go far enough in punishing people in possession of smaller amounts of the drug, while harm reduction advocates say any further criminalization is the wrong approach. We will have more on this story later in the week. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. On Friday, a jury found that Denver police officer... <laughs> I just made police officers and protesters one word. They are now police officers. <laughs>